0: section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. Probably the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join Anders. We discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, let's real quick. Uh, we, I just want to let everyone know Butch Reed he passed away. He was a, uh, a famous uh, wrestler in the WWE from '86 to '88. I just want to let everyone know about that. Um, we're going to move on to the WWE Network is going to Peacock on March 21st. Now, Roger, is this going to get you excited to get the Peacock network or um, the streaming app?
1: Uh, I mean, I have a network subscription. It's going to automatically um, kind of roll up into the Peacock. So I'll take a look at it. it. It definitely is something that I probably wouldn't have looked at before. And now because I already have one, I'll take a look. But just in general, there's so many streaming services that it's like, you know, it's hard to go through all of them. I think the big thing about this is if they're really furthering that partnership with uh, NBC universal, could we get a WrestleMania on NBC? Like that seems like one of those things like that would be a very big deal to have a super bowl like event on a major network, as opposed to just the network and pay-per-view that could be a really big thing. So that's what I'm curious about. You know,
0: let's talk about that for a little bit. That's a great idea because you could actually have it on the, on Peacock at first. And then you can say, we'll say uh, from six to nine on Sunday, they're going to have like, you know, four matches or whatever. And then say no commercials. That would be a huge deal. And I think NBC would be shocked about how many people turned in to watch uh, Russell. Like we'll say a WrestleMania, especially. Um, wow. That's a, that's a great idea. You know, Doug, what are your thoughts on the fact that WWE Network is moving to Peacock? Uh,
2: I think it's a good idea. It's, it's one way that you can, I guess, I don't want to say fudge numbers, but uh, you can claim that all these people are now subscribers to the WWE, even though they're probably just subscribed to Peacock um, for other the, the people that do own or have been getting the WWE Network due to the fact that if you want, you can lower it down to the $5 uh, mark uh, per month instead of the $10 month, and you still get a whole bunch of other uh, shows that NBC uh, produces. My biggest question is now that they have uh, the network, does that mean that Raw, being a USA product, can go on uh, the network live, or will it be something a little bit sooner uh, broadcasted? Um, Since there isn't, I mean, they're only competing against themselves at that point. I I would imagine Fox would still be, or SmackDown might be another month before they get them on the network, but um, that's what I would like to see is if they actually did do that, that they put it up there right away and make it accessible for those who can't watch it during the live stream.
0: Yeah, and Aaron, what do you think about that? Like, the fact that now WWE Network is moving to Peacock. Is there anything that you're looking forward to?
3: You know, I think having all that in one location is really nice. One of the problems, I think, with all these streaming services that we run into is when you want to watch a show, where do you go to? You know, like, oh, wait, this is a CBS show, so it's CBS All Access. And then you're like, okay, well, where do I get The Office again? I forgot where that's at. Or I want to watch Friends it's all over the place and there's just so many options to choose from, which is a good thing for the consumer. But at the same time you go, well, why, why do I have to have these in all these different areas? Why can't we consolidate that ever so slightly? And so I'm really happy WWE is going to the Peacock network. And there's some nice things. If you do have Comcast, you do get it for free or you get the, um, uh, uh the, the $5 adver- dollar version. Yeah. For free, which is pretty nice. Uh, you know, I really like that because the other thing, too, is also with the the network, there were there was months. There's probably like a good six months where I had it and I only watched the pay-per-view and nothing else. And then I actually forgot and I missed some pay-per-views and I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'm already paying for this. I was paying, you know, 20 bucks and I didn't even use it at all. So the fact that I don't have to worry about it is is really nice. And uh, I think even as a shareholder, a 10 shareholder with WWE, I really like that idea because I think that um, uh, it will increase their uh, value um, in the marketplace. Now, do
0: you, now Roger brought up a point earlier where he said that, Hey, why don't we do something where, you know, like WWE is on NBC, like for like WrestleMania, we'll say, do you think that's like something that WWE should probably push for or explore? At least
3: I would be totally to have the biggest event of the year, the Super Bowl of wrestling on a major network. Absolutely. You can promote that thing and just go nuts with it. Um, I, I, think that that would be fantastic. Uh, if anything else, you might get some people into wrestling, and this is this is your opportunity. You are now selling wrestling to people that have not watched wrestling in a very long time. So uh, I'm 100 percent in favor of something like that.
0: Now, Doug, what did you think about uh, did beat uh, Bill Goldberg, and what were your thoughts on the match? Uh,
2: <laughs> it, uh it definitely was credibility as a champion. Um, I think there was a lot of relief of wrestling fans once he actually did get the one, two, three. Um, It was very much what I expected to be, which is going to be the finisher spam, uh, just like any other WrestleMania match or any match that Goldberg has been involved in recently. So overall, it was a decent match, got Drew a little bit more credibility and moves the plot line uh, logically.
1: I'm not going to say anything about the match was good because it was the standard Goldberg finisher. Like, I I legitimately don't think there was a move executed that wasn't a finisher. It just seemed like it was spear, claymore kicks, and a jackhammer, which, you know, that's fine for a two-minute slugfest. But Drew McIntyre is not limited as a wrestler, and I don't believe you need to put him in these type of matches. You know, Braun Sturman, that kind of makes sense. He's an okay wrestler. Drew McIntyre can put on really good matches, and also Goldberg is just, this isn't the Goldberg of the nineties. This isn't Goldberg of the early two thousands. This is Goldberg in 2021. I don't want to see him in title matches. I, you know, if you want to bring him out as a special attraction, so be it. But, but I think McIntyre, um, there are better matches to be had with opponents that could have used a push. And I think McIntyre's in that spot to elevate someone like a Keith Lee or, you know, any of the litany of guys who absolutely need this kind of push Alistair black. I don't know where he went. Um, so yeah, I, I just think there's better options, but I'm glad that McIntyre won. There was absolutely a sigh of relief when he won.
3: Yeah. And you can just sweep it. I'm, I'm in total agreement now, Andy, though you are a huge Goldberg Mark. Were you sign relief or were you like, man, I really want Goldberg to get that one more win?
0: Yeah, I figure, you know, he's what, 50 now? Yeah, he he could probably do it again. No, I mean, he, he looked, he was in decent shape. Don't get me wrong. But like at the end of the day, I mean, like I said, it took, you know, you take take away spots from either a tag team or maybe a singles push that's going on. Why do this or. I would have been more entertained if uh, our truth came out and they did another segment with him with the twenty four seven title. I would have been happy
3: with that, but you know, whatever. Uh, oh, I, you know, actually, let me ask you something, Andy. Because Drew McIntyre now is going to defend his title in the Elimination Chamber. Do you think that's a good move for them to do that?
0: I I, I can't I can't believe Elimination Chamber is coming back. What's the point? I they thought, do it every year though. But I thought yeah. I thought they moved it though. I don't. I thought that they stopped doing it in February. Or I might be wrong. I thought that uh, for some reason, I thought they moved it, but you know, at some point I think the, over it is what I think boils down. Let's move on. But, uh, and plus people aren't like trying to hurt themselves while they're in there anymore. Like they used to, but
3: crap happens. Doug, do you, do you think that, uh, of losing his title in the elimination chamber? Do you think they're going to move it to somebody else and have that be a main event? Or is this just like, you know, another test of his essentially,
2: um, I think overall, it's just another test to, to show how strong he is uh, and build him up even more credibility. Um, whether or not it's Edge versus McIntyre at WrestleMania or whether this is their chance to take the title off McIntyre just so that Edge has more of a heel versus face uh, dynamic. Um <sighs> kind of feels maybe that way a little bit more or it's just trying to uh, everything seems so day to day with their booking so who knows what they're thinking right now
3: and uh, Roger I think and Doug kind of uh, you know jumped a the shark there by letting us know Edge won the Royal Rumble what did you think when Edge came out number one overall you know one of three people by the way to win from number one overall and he wins it all at, you know, what? He's like 48 years old or so. What do you think?
1: Um, yeah, one of three people, one of which is uh, Shawn Michaels. Um, don't know who the other guy is. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I like Edge. I, I enjoyed Edge during his ultimate opportunist phase. Watching him be the money in the bank back in 2005, 2006 was super great. But that was 15 years ago. I I don't know. A, there's something a bit concerning I guess in my eyes, of having Edge, who's wrestled what two matches since coming back, was retired for nine years, but is able to go the distance from one to the end, a feat that literally has only been accomplished by Shawn Michaels, he who shall not be named, Brock Lesnar, the most dominant superstar ever, maybe in the company, couldn't even do it, but Edge could. That that's weird. Um, second, I, I don't I don't see where he fits. Like I, I, Edge versus Balor, that I mean. That would be a fun match. I don't know that the storyline. It makes sense. Edge versus uh, Roman. That could be fun. Um, I, I don't know that it fits all that well. Edge versus McIntyre. I don't know that you want to put Drew McIntyre in the middle of his babyface run against comeback story against Edge. That really doesn't fit to me. So part of me actually kind of thinks going to the elimination chamber point that Orton might win. Like I could see Drew dropping the title in the chamber because right now I don't know that I see a clear path for edge in the main event. So this is a good way to create him one, but it's a very odd choice to me. Uh, I don't know that I would have booked edge to win the rumble for one, especially when he's literally the ultimate opportunist like that. That is odd.
0: Yeah. I, 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 this is one of those weird things where still like, what's the point of edge winning? That, that i guess that's my concern i'm happy that he won don't get me wrong but like at the end of the day uh, like what what a, i don't know what was the point that are there that up and comers that could have done this but oh well
2: hey though to maybe get edge to beat drew in a long hard fought match only to have Miz cash in and take it from edge so that he doesn't have to necessarily I mean, that's so yeah. that's, my, that's my reaction, too. I don't necessarily want that, but what are they going to do with the money in the bank thing?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's so long, and they don't have people in place because they're building up uh, Roman Reigns, and they're building up Drew McIntyre to be these end boss levels that nobody else can beat. You had the sh- the shot. You took it with the triple threat aspect and the, the ladder match. They should have just ended it there. I thought that was a logical conclusion that didn't make Miz look totally weak. Um, but now you gave it back to him and it's like, OK, wh- is he going to be the first person to lose it twice in a year or wh- what's happening? Do you really want to put the title on Miz right now?
1: So can I say I kind of think Miz is going to be the first Money in the Bank winner to cash in on another Money in the Bank winner? I think that's where they're going with this. I so you think he's going that- to wait to the night of.
3: And then that person will cash in and he'll cash in on top of them.
1: I mean, if you think about it from a strategic standpoint, what a better way to make sure that you don't lose your championship than to cash in over top the previous Money in the Bank winner and secure yourself no threat of the Money in the Bank for the next year. kind of makes sense in storyline. And I don't know what else to do. The WrestleMania cash in has already been done. Uh, They didn't cash in during the Rumble. This seems like the next logical step to cash in over top another Money in the Bank winner.
2: Edge did get uh, his... One of his titles through an uh, elimination chamber win.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, the that one that where after he stole that? it from Kofi?
2: Yeah, or was it no? Edge well, beat I, Edge beat what Cena? I think it,
1: that was so that. Was after Cena, the Cena won the yeah. Yeah, he survived the chamber. Edge beat him. Edge, I think, won a championship another way when he attacked Kofi before the match, stole his spot. Did I think Edge lost a title in the chamber to start the night, came out later, attacked yes. Kofi, stole his spot, and then won a, the different championship that same night. So it was very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a history with chamber matches, obviously.
3: Yeah, so who knows what we'll see with that. Um, you know, Edge winning, I, I definitely echo your guys' thoughts. Now, Andy, uh, I believe you did not pick her. You were one of the, you, you for whatever reason, didn't go with uh, with the group, but uh, men's Royal Rumble. What were your thoughts on that?
0: happy about it. Uh, I think it's about time uh, it, she is an up and comer and I think she has, uh, a good 10 years, uh, quality 10 years in her. So it would not surprise me. it This was a, this was a no brainer. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, but you never know. Some people may, I, I, I really thought at one point I thought Nia Jax was going to win, but apparently her hole was not strong enough. So uh Aaron, what did you think about uh Bianca's uh win? And by the way, uh what's EST stand for again?
3: Wow. Wow. Andy, how did tiebreakers work? Uh so I for Bianca winning, uh, you know, I I picked that so obviously like I, I had a horse in the race where I was like, yes, yeah, you know, she's gonna do it. And I thought that the ending was was really well done, you know, to have comers with Charlotte and all three of them could have won. That was the thing. I think everybody was like all three of these women could potentially win and main event, which is what you want with your like final four, you know, your final, like six people. You want it to be people where you're like, you know, you don't want to have Stevie Richards in there. Uh, you know, no offense, Stevie. I know you listen, uh, but you don't want to have somebody in there where you're like, yeah, there's no chance that they're gonna, they're gonna win this. And, I, I felt like all three you really could have seen, okay, where are they gonna go with this? You know, and with Charlotte, she could have a, a feud with Asuka potentially. Um, you know, uh same thing with um uh Rhea Ripley, she could, you know, go back to NXT, you know, she could have a uh go after Asuka or you know, Charlotte could win and then go after Charlotte. There's a lot of different possibilities. And Bianca, somebody who's up and coming, they've obviously put a spotlight on her. She's been in some high profile matches, beats Bailey, you know, when after joining the SmackDown roster. I know she'd been there for a little while, but she was lost in the shuffle. But they, they obviously believe in her, and so you know they're going to do things with her, which I like, and I'm, I'm happy with that. I, I think you do need to get away from the four horsewomen, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is, this is still um, a good decision by WWE. Um, you know, I, I'm just curious. Uh, Roger, what do you think about the fact that she uh, was able to win?
1: I love it. I I think it's a fantastic idea. To to echo Aaron's point, you can't just rely on the Horsewomen and Oscar. It just cannot be them. You need to build other people. You need to utilize their star power. You need to have, you know, if you want this roster to be one of the best, you need to see the same old matches. I've seen every iteration of the Horsewomen going at each other, face and heel. So Bianca versus Asuka is interesting. Bianca versus um, Sasha is interesting. Bianca versus Io is interesting. It's like the opposite of the men's rumble. I am excited about all three possibilities. It makes sense. I love the final three for a couple reasons. It's a callback to last year's feud when Bianca, Charlotte, and Rhea were all feuding. They eliminated Charlotte, so it doesn't make her look weak by any means. She lost the two up and comers, and then Rhea and um, Bianca went at it. It reminds you very much of Rock versus Austin or Cena versus Batista, where you kind of saw the two stars of the division of the future going at it for Rumblewood. I love it. It, it, Really good thing. I hope she wins at Mania. You know, I don't want her to get lost in this Nakamura shuffle where she wins the Rumble and that's her only accomplishment because it's it's always a risk. Um, But I, I think she's a future star of this division. So I hope she gets the rocket strapped to the moon. And I hope she faces Io. I hope she beats Io, to be quite honest.
2: On the whole, I think the women's wrestling match was pretty good.
0: Just want to make sh- make sure that uh, it, it was on a whole. Good, okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and Doug, is that your whole statement?
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to just end it right there. Uh, I think I got my whole point across. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk
0: TNA and uh, the fact that E and W and them have a, I guess, a pretty decent relationship because the TNA champs actually showed up on. Uh, on
2: Wednesday night, Dynamite. So, duh. What did you think? Back to the end of the year. Um, not necessarily predictions or anything, but our, our choice and everything. This is just still more to to add to that whole Thanos aspect, or just the the companies merging and everything together. To see the TNA Tag Champs show up on AEW far uh, after Omega went over to TNA. Um, It's, it's quite amazing to see, uh, even more though, that, uh, you have more than just, uh, Omega bullet club kind of thing. You now have a private party going over to TNA with Matt Hardy to, to do some matches over there. So it's not just a one and done thing in my book. You're going to start seeing a little bit more cross promotions and everything like that. It'll be interesting. Uh, but not necessarily out of the realm of possibility that they eventually do a uh, versus pay-per-view, which I think would be absolutely amazing.
3: Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with that too. Uh, you know what you had said before about like all these people coming together um you know, almost like like voltron or like uh mighty Morphin power rangers right like you have all these people coming together to take on wwe in a way uh i will say i am more interested now in aew and in tna even yeah uh, you know and in jpw because when you get to have this cross promote, you know you're probably not going to see the big big stars but you know private party showing up on tna like that actually kind of makes it like they feel like a TNA tag team. So that's kind of cool. And it's not like these people are foreign to each other, right? Like they've been a lot of, there's some cross pollination that's there. And so these people, we know who they are and it's really cool to see a different person. That's with a different group in there. And it's like, what, wait, what, why are they showing up? It's Batman and a Spider-Man comic book. You know, it's, it's very different. And I really like it. I, I'm very interested in the stuff that's going on. I watched AEW the other night and to see, uh, you know, the, the good brothers on there and to see Kenta and then like, that was just it's such a shocker to me. Um, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it to see all the, the cross promotions that were there.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to kind of echo that point, it, it's something that we've dreamed of and talked about, but usually you get a watered down version. You know, if you think back to the WCW invasion where it's like, it's not really WCW it's that's WWF's version of WCW. But, I mean, this is this is legitimately NJPW having a star show up in AEW. This is the thing that we have always dreamed of because the possibilities become infinite. And, it's, you know, we've seen it I guess, before with All Out, but that felt very different because that felt like a special. This feels like an agreement and a deal and hopefully a, a different um, way of doing wrestling because – Look, the WWE has got its own infrastructure and ecosystem, and they don't care about anybody else, and that's fine. It's obviously working very well for them, but for everybody else, it's fun. And it's making AEW more appealing. It's making TNA or Impact worth watching, potentially. It makes MJPW. They obviously are going to always struggle in getting their making expansion without the Bullet Club and Cody and all those guys. If you've got... You know, the ability to send a guy like Okada or Jay White or Kenta or whoever you want to and get live exposure on Wednesday night in TNT, that's big. So I think only good things can come of this. My only question will always be, you know, who's in charge? Who, you know, whose guys go over? Who wins? You know, the wrestlers have to get along, but. You know, yeah, it's easy to say, okay, AEW is clearly helping out impact, so their guys are probably going to go over for the most part, except for maybe the good brothers and things like that. But when you bring in JPW into the mix, I don't think they're going to bow to AEW. You know, they see themselves as an equal, if not superior. So you've got to get through that. And I think they can. It's just going to be very interesting because we've seen in the past those things can cause hangups and people pulling out of matches and, and things like that.
3: Yeah, and actually, Roger, to your point, uh, Doug, with. You know, as I had mentioned earlier, Kenta, you know, showing up on AEW and, you know, attacking Moxley, you know, Kenta's, uh, you know, one of their aces. So he is probably going to be going over ninety nine percent of the roster wouldn't you say like and even, you know, he has a match with Moxley coming up. There's probably a good chance that he's good. Could be even beat Moxley, you know, which is one of their stars.
2: Well, I I always knew that Moxley had the U.S. title over in New Japan, and that was something that was uh, before he even signed with. AEW, I think was already in the in the works but unfortunately due to covid things got moved around and travel plans got uh changed and everything so moxley showing up at njpw wasn't necessarily the biggest thing i didn't think because i thought that was more of a i need to fulfill this contract and things are open now to do it let's go over there and do that uh having kenta show up on aew i think was absolutely huge um Kenta is one of their big guys, so I, I do I do like this uh, a lot in the in the aspect that yeah I think he will come over and he will uh, be put over uh, quite a bit even on AEW. Uh, they just had a tag match where it was Omega and Kenta versus Moxley and Archer, and really good hardcore match. Um, but eventually, it was Om- uh, Omega over archer so that's one of the ways though that you can stop it from being a ngapw uh person not pinning an AEW person because you still have the AEW people pinning themselves um so there there are ways to to save i guess i don't want to say save face but there's ways to save it and make it so that it's not a loss because even if uh, let's say moxley would have gotten pin or yeah not moxley but uh if Omega would have been pinned, it still stops Kenta from being taking the loss technically. So uh, there's ways ar- ways around the who takes the loss and how and and what what is needed. But you can also probably predict some 50-50 booking uh, in the near future where it's maybe Kenta loses at AEW but Moxley loses at New Japan Wrestling. So uh, some of that could also come into effect.
0: Yeah, I, I still think that the way that they had this relationship set up is is still unique. But you know, we've seen that a lot of wrestlers, it's you know, it's a fifty fifty game most of the time. So I'm wondering, is, is it going to turn out where they just trade, and then it's not as because to me, I think trading is not as a big of a deal. I think if they had like w- if one side had like one win above the other, I think that might do. I don't know. Like I think that would uh maybe bring bragging rights to the, to the subject. WWE pay per view, copyrighted. my hole. Wow.
1: All I right. had to think about that for a second. I was like, what is he talking? Oh,
3: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so uh, we also have the NXT takeover pay-per-view uh, vengeance uh, coming up. There are some pretty big matches. Actually, I, this is one of the, you know, I know they only do so many uh, takeovers a year, but this is one where I feel like all of them are, are all really good matches. Uh, women's match, the women's dusty roads, the men's dusty roads, the tag team, uh, American and then of course the NXT championship Andy is there one match in particular that you are most excited for
0: uh I don't know I, I kind of like watching Pete Dunne wrestle him and Finn I think he'd probably go I mean you know I I think I would I, I think for the NXT championship I would have to go with that with uh Finn and Pete going at it I think that that's going to be a, a great match so that would be my
2: one that I would pick uh, Doug what what would be yours I think I'm going to go with uh, Johnny Gargano Versus Kushida um, I think Kushida in NXT Has been underutilized With all the talents that he has And experience that he has So seeing um, Johnny NXT Going against uh, Kushida I think will probably uh, Match a tooth in Balor versus Pete Dunn.
1: I'm actually excited For the Dusty Road Classic Finals I think both of those tag matches Could be real good uh, especially the men's match. I have um, MSK before, but from what I've seen, they're very good. I love the Grizzled Young Veterans. like They're really, really good. Ember Moon has always been one of my favorites. Shotzi's really good. I enjoy the team of uh, Gonzalez and Kai, so I think both those matches could be really fun.
3: Yeah, and I actually echo your thoughts. Uh, MSK, who I'd never seen or heard of before, uh, Wesley has so much a up. i think that nash carter uh from msk is okay you know far be it from me to you know tell somebody that they should you know maybe shape up a little bit but uh you know he uh he looks fairly normal and you know he should maybe chisel himself a little bit to you know uh be on the same level as, as wes but, are you uh, saying he's the
2: genetti of the group
3: uh, you know what he could be a coward i don't know haven't seen him jump through any windows recently so I don't, will you stop? So, uh, but yeah, MSK, I actually agree. Uh, they, they're very exciting, uh, to watch. And I think that's, that's really cool to, to see them. And, uh, you know, their match with the grizzled young veterans, I actually thought it might go the other way and they'd fight, uh, Champa, uh, and that way you have this really up and coming, uh, this brand new tag team. And then you have these grizzled veterans, uh, so to speak, uh, going after them. Uh, but all top to bottom, you know, I think that this is going to be a really good pay-per-view. I'm really looking forward to watching it. And, you know, hopefully wife won't be upset. You know, after we go out, we have a nice Valentine's day dinner. I tell her, you know, sorry, babe, but, uh, NXT's on. So, um, you know, I, I got to watch.
1: I can't wait to see Aaron's St. Valentine's day massacre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, luckily I have to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah, I'm looking forward to NXT, uh, this sunday and i think it's at six if i'm correct something like that six central time anyways so let's thank our sponsor hostgator are you a blogger a podcaster or you're just not happy with your web host you want to check out hostgator.com you're gonna find web hosting made easy and affordable hostgator offers unlimited disk space unlimited bandwidth one click script results a free set of hands on the best control panel out there Stop by today and try a free. It's the easiest. And if you use a special coupon code, code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So, what do you got to lose? check out hostgator.com and take a bite out of your web hosting costs. Also, make sure you just click on the banner at to the top to see big items from wshop.com. Aaron, we are doing what are, are we calling it the Heisman Award?
3: Yeah. So, at the, the end of the year, uh, we do our end of year awards, right? And we decided to kind of uh, do something a little little different this year um when we had done them and we were saying okay who are your top 10 men women and tag teams of the year and so we went we put them down in order of you know here who i think is the number one and here's who's number 10 and it was really fascinating you know the men's were a little bit over the place uh women's and tag team were a little more compact but we thought it'd be interesting to kind of go through some of them and talk about some of the surprises so um i guess let's start off with the women's uh you know we we went back and forth, I know, for uh, this past year where we had Sasha and we had Bailey for our, our one and two. Uh, between, Amazingly enough, it was the exact same thing. We had him as our number one and two, uh, but more of us had Sasha Banks. And so what we did was uh, if you were the number one person, you got 10 points. If you were number 10, you got one point, you know, uh, and obviously down the order. And so Sasha Banks ended up getting 38 points. So out of a possible 40 for us, which was uh, really crazy. And then Bailey, uh, number two was 36. Now, Roger, were there, were there any on the list there that you see that, you know, kind of surprised you a little bit? Was there anyone that you were like, oh, wow, they were they were much higher than I thought it would be or, you know, I would have expected them to get a few more than that.
1: I think the women's kind of broke the way that I expected it to. Sasha and Bailey really stood out more than I kind of thought you had Austin, Io, and that tier underneath. Um, if I'm correct, I think Karashida was maybe the one who scored a little bit lower than I anticipated. But even that wasn't like a massive surprise because I just felt like the other four had you know done really well so yeah I, I think sasha getting what a 38 out of 40 which is an insanely high score when you think that's basically all but two points that's a and she earned it and she was fantastic this year i think the we were much more consistent in our voting of the women's and the grouping so no surprises in my opinion on that side
3: yeah and then what, what about you doug was there any that stood out no, I think this one kind of fell in
2: line pretty well. Uh, it was no surprise to see the top four and who they were. Um, you can almost say that for every year that those four were going to be in the top four. So uh, it was pretty, I don't want to say by the numbers, but uh, a very, very close race for the top three people. And the fact that Oscar uh, finished with 33 points. Uh, so she wasn't even very far behind uh, Sasha and Bailey.
3: Yeah, and and I think to your point, too, uh, you had 38-36-33, and then Charlotte was 23. So it was a a big drop-off from there. Now, kind of similarly, the tag team of the year, uh, so we ended up going with Young Bucks with 39, which means that four of us, you know, picked them uh, as our number one, and one was number two. So Andy, um, Young Bucks, 39 points FTR. 37, and then, you know, you have a 10-point drop-off there, to 28 for Undisputed Era. Were there any that you saw that were like, oh, wow, that's interesting?
0: No, I mean, not really. Uh, I, I guess well, no, I, I think that's about right. I, I Maybe I would have liked to see Street Profits and the New Day up there, but but if you look at WWE product, that's, I mean, you have them, and then you have Undisputed Era and NXT. Uh, of course, AEW, you have multiple tag teams up there i mean we have you know three three of the four tag teams top tag teams it, are from aew if that tells anything so
3: but yeah and what about you doug
2: um it's not really uh, much of a surprise for me aew's had some great tag team matches and overall the probably the better of the top tier uh uh, wrestling programs, their their tag teams have just been showcased and highlighted and everything like that, so it wasn't a surprise to see that they mostly took the top four, uh, with Undisputed Era being an NXT product, uh,
1: getting in the number three slot.
3: All right, and uh, Roger, how about you?
1: Yeah, kinda of same thing. If you kinda of look at the women's you can see where the best division is. You look at the tag division, you know where the best division is and it's AEW and then it's followed by NXT you know so it's it look three people had the young bucks at the top i had ftr at the top and the young Bucks second from the top so it isn't uh, a much of a surprise when you look at how good and how deep the AEW division is that they've been able to put on really great matches and ironically the top two teams didn't really have what i would call a classic match against one another but it's their great matches throughout the rest of the year against everybody else including you know obviously i think our i think we may have swept this is the match of the year but mm-hmm. the bucks versus uh Hangman and Omega was just
3: so good. Yeah. And I think, you know, the storylines that they're put into is, it was just really great. And then uh, moving on to our men. So, uh, in, Looking at through our top five, uh, it was it was close. It was a lot closer. Um, we actually ended up going with John Moxley as our number one with only 33 points. So a little bit different than the 39 and 38 that we had for the women's in the tag team. But even kind of going down the list, we had Roman Reigns with 30, Drew McIntyre with 24, Omega with 23, and then Seth Rollins with 20. Uh, Doug, with that list, was it kind of surprised to see Moxley that high or maybe Seth Rollins that low? Was there anything even within the top five or a little bit further down that were surprising to you?
2: I just think that this went into a large cast of, uh, some really good wrestling and some really good wrestlers this year. Uh, just the fact that I don't think any of us really agreed on who the true number one wrestler was of the year. Um, so it, you know, seeing the scores a little bit lower, uh, I think is a is a good thing that um, more people are enjoying different aspects of wrestling and different people in the wrestling and the the different uh, top guys, I guess, of all the promotions.
3: And then, Andy, how about you? Was there somebody that stood out that was maybe outside the top five that you thought should have gotten a few more points other than the Miz? You know, what
0: the <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Miz should have had like 40. No, you know what the weird part is? We went AEW, WWE, WWE, AEW, WWE, AEW, AEW, WWE, WWE, NXT. That's pretty. I still think that's it's interesting that we didn't like stay with one AEW the entire time or NXT or WWE. That says that there's some really great wrestling out there. So yeah, um, you know, I guess Roman being up there, but of course he's been decent. He's been in there. So, well, Come on now. I'm not gonna he's say. been the focus
3: of SmackDown. You know,
2: He he has truly turned his character around.
3: I mean, it's the most uh, fascinating thing on SmackDown, in my opinion. But.
1: So, I think Andy does bring up a good point about Roman, and this is why I didn't rank him that high, and the same thing even with Naito is that he's gone half the year, right? It just... I, I was... He was the one that stood out to me. It was like, I... And we've had this discussion, Becky and Shayna, If you are not present or you are bad for half of the year, I have a hard time saying that you're the wrestler of the year unless everything else sucked. And as these lists show, there's a lot of good wrestling going on from single stars, right? Kenny Omega was another one who, look, I think is phenomenal, but he was a tag team for nine to ten months of the year. So that one surprised me. And I don't think either one of those are bad choices per se. It just wasn't the direction I would have went. But, man, we... I mean, we're all... over. I had NJF the second. I think he doesn't even show up on anybody else's list. I see, you know... Roman actually, odd enough got the most consistent scores. He's pretty much around the, like, six to seven range. And then uh, he's got one top vote. Cody Rhodes is kind of on the bottom of everyone's list. I'm surprised Hangman didn't score that well. That um, that surprised me a little bit. But I also... My argument was that he was an a tag team, so I just didn't really think he was the singles competitor that much. But I just... I think this is a good sign for how diverse the quality of wrestling has been. It's not just, you know, a list of 10 WWE and NXT guys, you've got a W guys, you've got PW guys, you've got, you know, obviously you've got your WWE people, but there was, this was much more interesting to see this vote than let's say the women or the tag where you kind of knew who it was going to be between. Like this was, there was what four to five people who could have, won the 2020 award and and i think that's a very good thing like that that means it's interesting and it's exciting there's not a runaway whereas if we'd have done this last year i think adam cole would have scored 40 out of 40 i don't think anybody would have probably voted cole not at the top whereas this year there was no clear-cut answer and and that's a good thing
3: yeah and i think also to your point uh even just looking at some of the other options right now i think like for 2021 this is going to be a really interesting list because we've had so much uh, you know, cross-pollination with like NJPW cause Kenta is somebody that not that he wasn't on my radar, but you know, I wasn't thinking about him. Right. And I wasn't thinking about NJPW at all, but now eh, that's going to be a, a conversation impact as well. You know, the good brothers are going to be on the tag team list. I don't even think that they made yet. They didn't make it on any of ours. And right now, like maybe a top five, maybe a top 18, you know, like they will be on our list for next year. They probably may not crack the top five you know in total but they will still be on there which is going to be very different so we're we're going to see i don't know i think the list next year i could see the men's actually being a little more constricted in a way because you know omega and uh moxley they could very easily be you know uh the top three or top four uh whereas wwe i don't know depends on what they do with drew mcintyre as we talked about earlier you know who knows and it might be another AEW centric, uh, you know, for the top, top brass there.
2: I think with NJPW though, having a full year under their belt, uh, they, I mean, they really went into lockdown with the, the COVID thing, uh, mm-hmm. to Roger's point of, if you don't wrestle for half a year, you, you kind of get left in the dust. So, um, with them being back, uh, Kenta obviously is, he jumped up quite a bit on my, uh, top uh singles men's wrestlers list uh seeing what he does uh, but nato and uh okada uh probably going to start creeping back up again and having five star matches uh month after month so yeah, Ibushi, yeah. like for those who watch wrestle
3: kingdom
1: he yeah yeah two really good matches yeah really that was good real matches
3: good. well and uh okada too if he shows up in AEW <sighs> Uh, that, that will be something that, that mm-hmm. will be something. Um, I hope they does. I, I really do. Cause he was at all in, I want to say. Um, but you know, he was a wrestle, but it was just a, like, you know, just, uh, you know, who's going to win. It
2: sort. was a true one off, but yeah.
3: Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, uh, it was very interesting to do kind of the, the Heisman style thing for who we thought was the best, you know, PWI does their top 500. I kind of feel like that's a little much, you know, like who cares if you're 472 versus 478, right? Like whatever. I mean, it's really
1: those.
3: I'm sure that they do, right? I'm sure the Uh, person
1: who's 501 cares. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
3: But I mean, realistically, like maybe top hundred, you know, you might. uh, And then for us, you know, it's just like, look, who are, who is your top 10? And then let's just, you know, make an amalgamation of it, put it together and see what we came up with. And, you know, we might do this uh, again. We might uh, adjust the scoring system, but, uh, you know, the way that we did it this time, you know, we just did 10 working backwards. And I think it worked out really well. And being able to see with the women and the uh, tag team, you see who was the best. So you see when you get a score of 38, you're like, oh, I understand this. Or 39, you know, who knows? Maybe next year we somebody gets a score 40. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, there was not even a question that it was CM Punk's year when he came back in Chicago. You know, like because that's going to happen. Keep we know that, You know,
0: that's that's never going to happen. CM Punk's done.
1: Let, let me ask you guys something here. Um, comparing going forward to comparing, do you think that some of these were hurt by the lack of crowd? Because 2020 was the only year that was split. So if you look at, for example, the tag team, that match of the year was probably not going to be top just because it's really hard to have a match that is better with a crowd reaction like that than it is without. Um, do you think that there could be a massive shift by just, okay, everyone's going to be wrestling under the same format for the most part, which is going to be no crowds or very limited crowds. I know WrestleMania is going to have a crowd, but that might be the only crowd of the year. Um, I think AJBW is doing very limited crowds. AEW, impact is completely non-existent with crowds. Uh, be a huge turnaround. And do you think some people are hurt by this, whether it's a Darby Allen or do you think the bucks or, you know, are there people who really benefit um, or suffer from crowd interaction?
0: Oh, I'll flat out say it. I think Drew McIntyre, I think if he, him winning at uh basic, well, winning the WWE championship. I actually think that if, if it was live crowds, it might be different. But the fact that it was, you know, COVID, completely different champion. So, and like, I think he would have done better if there was a crowd there because he could feed off the crowd and they can decide, is he going to go face or heel? But if you want to look at it a different way, Roman Reigns would not be considered to be even in the top. Five or 10 at this point
2: but no crowd has improved him mm, i think that no crowd actually even hurts roman reigns because in, in his heel turn everybody's been booing him already just getting even louder boos just proves that they made the right choice in making him a heel uh one of the things i've noted with aew though is that they've even said that they've been trying to hold off on some of the debuts. Ie sting. I think that was a debut that really hurt not having a large crowd there. Um, but now that they are starting to get some crowds, you can get tickets to AEW. You can buy uh, boxes. I believe is what they're selling, so that you can bring a group of your family or close and that friends. That you know, you still have to do the COVID testing and everything. But uh, you, they're starting to sell some tickets uh, to attend the shows and the dynamite. Uh, Mike, but uh dark dark tapings so it's i I think we're gonna start returning to a little bit more normalcy uh the more the vaccines get out and the more uh, uh, regulations start to get a little bit more dropped uh we'll start to see a little bit more and more and more uh, so I mean I think the Super Bowl was a good uh, kind of indication of how how Uh, affecting things Um, the fact that they had the smallest crowd uh, for a Super Bowl but yet probably what the largest crowd for a football game this whole season so things are changing and I think they're getting a little bit better but only time will tell
3: oh yeah and I think uh, you know I definitely agree with all you guys sentiments Uh, I do think that WrestleMania having a crowd it will make what, whatever matches on there will probably be one of our matches of the year. Um, you know, until we get back to a, a normal crowd atmosphere. You know, as we talked about before, Revolution Twenty Twenty. That the, having the crowd there made that match even better. It was a it was a five star match just in general, but having the crowd there and having people be like. <gasps> You know, when you hear that reaction, it just makes it so much more. And I think at WrestleMania this year, you know, whatever matches they have, I actually kind of feel like we don't have matches set in stone yet, which is odd. Uh, And probably a good thing, but there's going to be some match that we're going to see. And we're gonna be like, oh, that was amazing. Like that is my match of the year right now. Every other match is going to be compared to this one. And and we're going to come up with that most likely. I, I assume at WrestleMania, but as things move along and progress, we're going to have some matches that maybe are a four-star match that might get up to four and a half or, you know, even up to a five because of the crowd, uh, interaction. And it also allows the wrestlers because they're hearing the crowd. So they know, do I go faster? Do I go slower? Do I bring it back in a little bit and like kind of have the crescendo where we have the big move. And then yes, finally, like he got the title or he, he was able to, to get one over on him. Um, so having the crowd there, you are going to hear, the reaction, and that is going to make a match. That's going to add a star to the match. I think the crowd does, if not more. Um,
1: let me add a follow-up question to this. Do you think Japan has an advantage based on how their crowds are naturally more quiet anyway, and therefore we've been accustomed to hearing great matches with long periods of silence, like for example Omega Okada, where the crowd is silent and watching it and then cheers at the appropriate time, as opposed to the WWE NXT, even you know American version of crowd just goes wild.
2: I'd say that uh, Japan was actually even turning the, the crowd reaction was getting a little bit louder and louder and louder each year. Uh, It's definitely more noticeable during the uh, wrestle kingdom uh, pay-per-view, but uh, they were starting to get into it a little bit more and more and more. And I thought it became a little bit more commonplace for them to cheer during the match. Yeah. but you do have a good point in the aspect that yeah, they were used to being quiet and everything like that. They have a set storyline, I guess, in their own uh, in the aspects that the wrestling is the storyline. They don't really do too many promos uh, to set up their matches. Um, but maybe they had a little bit more of an advantage, but I don't know. I also think the, the lack of being able to see it here in America right now is also a hindrance to them
3: yeah I agree and you know even which you know when they show like oh at WrestleMania last year or, or not WrestleMania but like Royal Rumble let's say and you see the crowd there and then you see the reactions and you're like oh yeah that's right I, I miss that I, you know I think that Japan you know they may have a, a slight advantage um, over that even like seeing Jay White when he had his big uh, he had attacked I, I forgot who it was but he had attacked somebody uh, wanting the uh, six-man tag championships and you know the crowd was very upset with him, and you know you see him cutting a very scathing promo. But uh, you know somebody like him, uh, he's able to thrive because he has that crowd reaction there. Whereas right now, you know you have Roman Reigns who comes out and he he talks, and you know he is used to the booze. But they're piped in. You know the Goldberg chants are piped in. You know it might be it might have been different if there was a crowd. The crowd might have crapped all over Goldberg. You know, they might have been like, "Oh yeah, it's cool. We get to see Goldberg," and then it's like, "Wait, oh, you're going against Drew? Mm-mm. Boo, boo!" And maybe that's not the reaction WWE wants. Honestly, probably for WWE, this is like their godsend because they get to choose who gets cheered and who gets booed. You know, yeah, but you're not going to get the organic, uh, you know, presentations that you know you would get elsewhere. I will always go back to uh, in Seattle, there were multiple times. But, you know, one I just thought about in particular was Elias and Owens. Elias makes a crack about a basketball team. And for like three, five, ten straight minutes, it's nothing but booze where they have to scream over the microphone. And you're not going to get that reaction, you know, uh, unfortunately. Instead, it's just going to be a orchestrated one that Vincent, you know, his team come up with
0: but yeah i am looking forward though to the days that we actually can go back to a live event and uh i am i am gonna look forward to that so that's all the time we have for this month's show if you're into the twitter you follow the show with all 86 i want to thank 86 productions for hosting and any of the podcasts and i want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show and for roger cave doug Hunt, and aaron hughes i am andrew hughes and until next time we'll see you in the ring